Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now we're going to kind of go to the MLB strategy show portion of things because we've got more games tonight to be breaking down all the way here. Uh, so we'll start with the uh, the Astros, the Orioles, uh, at Camden Yards, an over-under of nine and a half runs here. Uh, Jose Urquidy uh, going for Houston, and then Thomas Eshelman uh, making the start for Baltimore. Boy, I mean, these Orioles uh, starting pitchers, if you put them in a lineup, besides Matt Harvey, and he's the one who probably doesn't belong the most, I, I have no clue. Yeah, and you know some of these guys too are useful, like Jorge Lopez. We saw I mentioned yeah. him on the show being a guy to maybe avoid uh, going to Houston yesterday because of the fact that Jorge Lopez. We've seen him blow up teams and chalk spots before, mm-hmm. and that's not the reason why. It's not just the recency bias part; it's the fact that he keeps the ball down. Tom Eshelman is not a guy who keeps the ball down. Historically, given up a 258 ISO since 2019. Uh, this year, a 17 degree launch angle that we got pretty lucky in his uh, first appearance with only a .86 WHIP, a 176 batting average allowed. But all the other underlying numbers look exactly where they've been historically, other than a little bit more in the way of chase rates. So, so to me, Eshelman, a guy today, I would target a good amount. And Houston, another team that stands out on prize picks as well as on DK. Uh, the issue is that on prize picks, you could play them. And you're not worried about the ownership and all of that. On DraftKings, you do have to worry about the ownership. And there is going to be a lot going their way today. Uh, the weather, though, you know, maybe not fantastic. 45% humidity, 75 degree weather. So um, you're just mostly relying on the fact the park, the park dimensions themselves at Camden Yards are going to be what help out Houston more than a normal park at home. Uh, so this spot to me, like it's a lot going to Michael Brantley. It's a lot going to Jordan Alvarez, Abraham Toro, also over 30%. If you're to tell me, get rid of one of the 30% guys on drafting today, it's instantly got to be Abraham Toro, a guy who doesn't have pop, doesn't get steals, really doesn't do anything useful in a way that you need to see. Uh, So to me, get Houston in lineups, but try to get creative with it and watch the ownership where uh, get a Yuli Gurriel in your five-man stacks, maybe even your three-man stacks, because that's going to decrease the ownership product. Uh, Take stabs at Miles Straw, I think is a reasonable approach, a guy who actually does get steals. And we saw have a useful day yesterday while everybody else kind of suffered for the Astros. Uh, but to me, it's a really high on stack. So I wouldn't hate also you know, substantially cutting your exposure or just take him out entirely because Eshelman's not good, but he's probably not bad enough to justify the field being there for over 30% on multiple guys. And we've seen the Orioles. I mean, it's not just Lopez. Like they have called up some guys who I mean, it's almost always the chalk when it's against the, the Orioles with what they're throwing out there in the rotation right now. Uh, but it doesn't guarantee you're getting 10 runs of those first three innings, obviously. And we've seen it time and time again. I remember when the Minnesota Twins went to town a few weeks back. Uh, they were this chalk every single day, and they never really took off and did a whole lot. Uh, on the other side of this, I always think the Orioles' offense is kind of sneaky. They're not a good team, but they do have some pop in that lineup. They have some playable guys and Mullins and Trey Mancini. Uh, how do you like our, our Kitty's end of this game? 
So Urquidy, I feel like it's a pretty big park shift for him where he's a guy who gives up a 21 degree launch angle and in Houston's own park, like that's not going to hurt that much. You're probably going to see a lot of fly balls and you know, overall the exit velocity for him is pretty low. So maybe he's going to keep those fly balls in the park, but I do think there's some risk here going into Camden yards, which is going to have more favorable dimensions that somebody can start to take him yards. So to me, Urquidy, $8,100 price tag. Uh, the projection doesn't look good enough and he's going to be 10% owned. I wouldn't hate not playing him. I wouldn't hate, you know, capping his ownership to right where the field's expected to be. But to me, he's just not a priority play on the slate. And I don't expect things to be much better against Baltimore. Like they do strike out at a 25% clip. But as, as Pete just mentioned, like there are some guys who have some power going back. Uh, the Trey Mancini's, Anthony Santander's had enough of a good split against mm-hmm. right-hand pitching since 2019 as well that you can get there. I think somebody's going to take him yard. And I think Urquidy, the risk is that he doesn't have a high pitch count normally anyway. So um, if you see him, you know, give up those at-bats and actually give up runs on them or just take longer to get these guys out. Like there's a lot of pathways for him to not succeed. So at 10% ownership, I'm not dying to get there. He'll probably get the win, but I just don't feel like Urquidy is a strong play on himself. And I don't hate taking Orioles stacks either, though. I do feel like another team to me, like I don't think the five man stacks going to get there against a decent bullpen, but for the three mans or one offs, I think probably have a shot to get something going against Urquidy. Highest over under the days in the Bronx with the Yankees and the Royals. Uh, Danny Duffy starting this game for Kansas city. I think he's been a surprise this year and how well he has pitched uh, an ERA under two. And then Michael King started for the Yankees. We know the Royals, they have some capable bats as well. Uh, what jumps out to you this game where we see the inflated over under total? So I think the total here, like I'm not fully on board with it. It's not a terribly hot day. And I'm going to keep talking about the weather here because it really does matter. The games that are hot are going to sure. play a lot better for hitters. The games are going to have a lot more humidity. Also play a lot better for hitters. And this is something to me that you know, sometimes people think like, oh, it's like summertime in New York. It's always hot. And like the, you know, the field dimensions there are still going to be a positive. But I think 34% humidity, 75 degree weather. That's not the kind of New York summer that I grew up there. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with New York. Like that's not uh, the Yankee Stadium you hear about in the summer where everybody's hitting home runs over and over again. So in this spot with Duffy being good, I'm pretty comfortable not getting a ton of yanks. So right now they look under on the top stacks tool. So uh, that certainly makes it a little bit of a tougher call, but Duffy, I like a lot more than Jose Urquidy. We just talked about where Duffy's got a 28% carried on the year, 3.9 X FIP, just giving up a 1.2% on run rate. And the underlying number of support, the, the big jump he's made to 2019 as well, where swing and strike rates up from 11% to 14.2% chase rate up from 31% to 36.2%. And against the Yankees team that just finds ways to underperform whenever people are feeling comfortable with them again. I feel like Duffy can have a usable day here. The Yankees on the year it's a t- uh, 23.7% K rate's not the best against left-hand pitching, but the 164 ISO means they're not getting a, a ton of power going against lefties for whatever reason and it surprises I like it surprises me to see it, but I think it surprised everybody out there to just be like, oh, why are the Yankees not getting a lefties? Duffy's a good lefty, so I think I'm more willing to take Duffy in this spot. If the Yankees ownership does remain low in the top stacks tool, I feel like I'm willing to me- treat it like a mutual volatility spot and play both the bats and Duffy Duffy had a good amount of volume, but to me, Duffy 1% ownership. That's the kind of tournament play that I actually think could win a tournament tonight. And maybe the Yankees could go 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position again, though that yeah, might not that be great for Duffy if he's got that much traffic. <laughs> but yeah, no, that would never happen. Never again. <laughs> but uh, all right. So you got the Yankees and the Royals there and uh, that particular matchup. And we've got a, a question in the chat. And, and as I mentioned, we kind of did the early slate, but uh, we'll run back for this. Jeff, kind enough to throw a couple bucks our way. So that's a good way to get your question answered. Uh, playing the $1,500 Silver Slugger on DraftKings, would you go Woodruff Cease or Woodruff Marquez? What do you make of that, Spags? 
at that level where you're putting in a lot of money, I think you got to go with the, the safest options. And to me, that'd be Woodruff and Marquez. And you're probably going to be able to get some better bats with that as well. Um, so I would take the value with the pay up option. Um, if you want to be a hero and if you have like a chalky, a bunch of chalky sacks along with that combination, then maybe you go down to cease instead of Woodruff and go cease Marquez. But really, I think it's got to be one pay up option plus the value in Marquez because that's you're trying to let the other people beat themselves at those high dollar amounts for the most part. And um, to me, I think going with those pitchers where you have the one payup option who's not going to kill you. And then you have the one value option who's very unlikely to kill you. I think is probably the right mix. All right, let's go to the Braves and the Mets. Uh, same weather as with the Yankees, not going to be exactly hot, humid, typical Queens weather for the middle of June. Uh, but what is interesting here is Tyler McGill is making his major league debut for the Mets who have lost their entire rotation. It seems in the span of uh, a few days, uh, everybody except Jacob DeGrom, right? But uh, McGill, what is interesting about him a huge strikeout rate in the minor leagues, 59 strikeouts of 40 and third innings at double A AA and triple A this year. He's only given up three home runs down in the minors in the, that time. Uh, I will say he's far more dominant at double A uh, with Binghamton than the three starts he had with Syracuse. But look, he's not going up against the Tigers here. This is the Atlanta Braves. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. It's a tough matchup. It's a big game for the Mets against a division rival. Uh, how playable is Tyler McGill to you? with uh, some of the upside that is there. So I'm actually, I, I might need to double check this actually by looking at a lineup because I'm not sure he's available right now on the site because we don't have a price tag on him on DK and that's certainly going to be a big part of the considerations. So let me just take a quick look on the slate itself. But I agree with you. The strikeout rate numbers did jump out to me. He's at a 35% strikeout rate um, this year in the minors as Pete was just talking about and also um, has had a, around a 32% clip uh, historically as well. So that kind of numbers, you know, Osmo's awesome talked about on some of the shows we've done recently or Alex has talked about um, overall about, you know, minor league strikeout numbers sometimes being a little more predictable than they've been historically. And that's something to me that, of course, the DK app is just seizing up entirely for me, so I can't get my answer here. Um, yeah, but, I'll work on it. but going against an Atlanta team that has a 25% strikeout rate on the year, I do think that this is a spot where I wouldn't be opposed to, to actually get him if he's available on whatever site you're playing on. And let's see, he doesn't look like he's on the DK slate right now. So he could get added because I think he's a name. I know the Mets people have talked about him. He, was, he wasn't a prospect of note, but has sort of surfaced more because of his rates taking a big jump up. Mm -hmm. If he gets on the slate, I'm willing to take a stab because I imagine he'll be around the 4K to 6K range. And I'm a guy who should be stretched out based on his minor league numbers, you would think. Going against Atlanta, who strikes out more than you would think. Like you're taking on a risk profile, but if he's cheap and actually is as good at strikeouts and also like they don't have tape on him. Like they don't know really what he's going to be doing out there quite as much as you normally would a guy who's had a few stints i don't ever mind taking stabs of those guys as long as you know they'll get good run so if mcgill if we know a pitch count especially if you know he's going to be you know around 90 or to 100 i feel like you feel pretty good about that but the price tag again could be the thing here where just the Braves strike out enough and you're taking on a risk profile but uh, they just might not know what mcgill has come in their way and that could be enough here to get through even though his name to be clear is really stupidly spelled tyler i hate it so much. <laughs> our producer is tyler and he spells it the right way with an e and an r not an o and an r i don't and know and it's what not it just the first name it's the last name too you hear mcgill you think mcg yeah. G-I-L-L. -L. We're looking at M-E-G-I-L-L. -L. So yeah, I don't want to miss Look, my name is stupid too. I get my last <laughs> name. That's why I shorten it to Spags. But look, it's Ty Lord. Sounds like he should be a Norse god. And I maybe he is. I don't I actually don't know what he looks like, but uh I, I hope he is. I hope he's a, a Norse god, much like a teammate Syndergaard. Yeah, fits in with Syndergaard. So uh we'll see if McGill gets on the slate as of now. You only really have to worry about it if you're gonna pick against him and load up with some Atlanta Braves here. Uh, we saw last night Charlie Morton was the pitcher to have, absolutely dominated the New York Mets. Uh, they should have Michael Conforto back today. They had held him back a day because they had some 
COVID issues at AAA. Uh, so it was out of an abundance of caution, they said. They didn't activate Conforto yesterday. So like I said, he should be back today. Uh, and he goes up against Kyle Wright. Uh, what do you make of, uh, of the Braves trying to shut down the Mets once again? So Kyle Wright's a guy that I, I just, it's hard to get a read on what he's going to do on a given day. And he's only faced 22 batters this year. So not the biggest sample size, but does has given up a 7.1 XFIP this year uh, with only a 190 batting average, but going back to 2019, 260 batting average, under league average striker at 18.7%, 1.63 whip, 5.5 XFIP. So historically he's not been that good of a guy in addition to giving up a 211 ISO and you know, the park factors here, not fantastic. Normally at city field. And so as we talked about the weather here, not going to help out a bunch, but I'm intrigued by Mets stacks going against Kyle Wright because you have a lot of guys here who can do damage to righty pitching the top five in the order all guys over a 214 ISO with Jeff McNeil Francisco Lindor if Conforto's back in Pete Alonzo Dominic Smith and you have you know some value pricing as well with Conforto being back in that would be a really good savings Jeff McNeil as well uh, 3k is the price tag though he'll be owned a lot it looks like a 29% because he is a leadoff guy uh, with a near minimum salary but I like the Mets as a stack I, I think I'm kind of surprised the top sacks tool only has him as a 3% chance to be a top sack with 8% arrogant ownership and it is a lot of it again going to McNeil so it's not really a stack being owned as much as just one or two plays driving it up but in this spot to me I think a full stack would be appealing and it's not a good Braves bullpen either behind him 1.4 whip on the year 250 batting average 4.5 x whip it's actually some of the worst marks we have uh, for the main slate so I think going against Atlanta uh, maybe not a move people are, are preparing to do when the top sack tool doesn't show it right now but I'm very intrigued by it and I think Kyle Wright's been bad enough for a period of time that I think you take a stab yeah, you wouldn't think people would be jumping on the Mets. I think they've been shut out four times over the last week. Uh, but hey, that's that's where sometimes you get an advantage. People get frustrated when they take the Mets or a team like that. They get burned by them, and then they all jump off the wagon, and we'll see uh, how that plays out tonight uh, with the Mets going up against Kyle Wright and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, this is the MLB live before lock, and you're like, wait. The lock is coming. You're talking about the night game. So you can hit that rewind button, go back on YouTube and check out. We already did all the day games. Uh, so you can check that out if that's what you're looking for at this particular moment. Right now, we're kind of in the strategy show portion of the proceedings and looking ahead to tonight. Uh, Osmo Hall of Fame. You know about it by now. Get that Osmo avatar, osmo.com slash avatar. You're placing the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. You tweet to add Osmo HOF. Boom. Free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Uh, so make that happen. Get that done. There's no downside. I always tell you, it scares people. You have that avatar. It scares people when you're in these matchups. So you got to play the head game a little bit. Uh, so check that out. And you can see some of our recent winners. A big night last night for uh, a, a lot of players, uh, being that the A's were at the top of the leverage for the uh, top stacks tool and, and offer 13 runs by far the top scoring team a night ago. And, of course, you want to stay up to date on the latest MLB DFS news with our at Osimo MLB handle. Our guy, News God, delivers the starting lineup confirmations, any injury updates, late scratches. He uh, does it daily before locks. Make sure to give at Osimo MLB a follow. And you can check out News God's Twitter handle as well, at News God DFS. Uh, so four more games to hit on the night slate here. Uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, boy, how about that debut for Wander Franco? Uh, it was like, he's chalk. He's only 2,000 on DraftKings. Everybody's going to be on this guy, and he paid it off, was in the optimal lineup. 
Yeah, that was something I talked. We actually talked about yesterday, and uh, Terry and I debated on the live before lock show. And I, I think some people followed that one, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that people did. But normally, I'm against these guys making their debut because the ownership is going to be so high for them. But looking at my, uh, Franco's minor league numbers, like they jumped out in a way where even Vlad Guerrero's didn't really jump out in terms of the power and all that. And obviously, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the case in your debut. But um, him coming through, I think, is an interesting move, and I have no issue going back to him again today as a, a one-off play, two K salary once again on DraftKings. Mm. It's really the thing is that he's minimum salary and he might be the best hitting prospect and the best overall prospect we've had come into. I like, I don't want to start. I, I don't know the historical stuff well enough to really point to it. I don't follow the top 100 prospects list and all that. But like he's a guy that's got the pedigree and him coming through and being that good. Like it's not a surprise. I think to anybody out there who follows baseball or certainly not a surprise to the Rays organization today, he's going against Garrett Richards. Who's just not that good. Gives up a 1.6 whip on the year, a 290 batting average. He's also historically been a guy. that's not that good. And it is still bad park factors playing in Tampa Bay. Like I don't expect Wander Franco to have, you know, the home run he had yesterday every day but he's going to have good at bats and he's going to draw walks and he's going to make you know these plate appearances about as tough as he can in opposing pitchers and if he somehow ends up in the two hole or something again i think right now we project to be in the five hole and that's a pretty good deal for a guy who's a legit prospect who's really good and being priced like he is as bad as anybody else at the, in the nine hole on the slate probably cheaper than some of the guys who are in the nine hole on the slate so i still don't hate him as a one-off today and i feel like the stack itself you can get there i hate it a little bit less than i did yesterday but Still not a spot that I'm like dying to get to the Tampa Bay stack. I think mm-hmm. it's more if you get Wander Franco as a one-off here, just don't get him above the field at 25%. But I really won't have any issue getting him in a, a good portion of lineups again. No, and I, I think you know what a team thinks of a guy based on where they're sliding him in the lineup. Like if the Tampa Bay Rays were a little unsure if he's ready, did they're not batting him second yesterday in a big divisional game against the Boston Red Sox. And that kind of clues you in. They're optimistic this guy's going to come in, hit right away in Franco. He's been like the top prospect on these lists for – I feel like it's been for two years now. It's been a long time. He's still only 20 years old. So uh, he's been on the radar and more than that in a big way for a long time here. Uh, How about the Boston Red Sox offense? They kind of got the extra innings to goose it up a little bit yesterday, which always frustrates me when I don't have a a given team. Uh, But uh, they get Dick Mountain, a good old Rich Hill for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, yesterday I wasn't seeing it for them, and they did have, a, I think, a, a tough time-ish against Kittredge, and then they did get to Yarbrough, like some people, some of the BVP uh, fans in the crowd were uh, looking forward to. So if you did play the BVP right, congratulations, I was right one time. Normally not the approach to go to, but they did get to Yarbrough a little bit yesterday. Going against Rich Hill, though, I, Hill is a guy that has been good on the year, and I still feel like you're kind of going to always be afraid the other shoe is going to drop. And I don't know that I want to be there a bunch for the 12% ownership. He is facing a boss team that on the year strikes out only at 22% clip against left-hand pitching and because Hill gets hit hard a decent amount of 10% barrel ball rate 14 degree launch angle to me this is not the, not the spot to play Rich Hill like I don't know that Boston's gonna be able to get there but you just go through the lineup here and you look at those lefty bats or the bats going against lefties rather um, JD Martinez since 2019 a 330 ISO against lefties Hunter Renfro 320 ISO against lefties since 2019 Bobby Delbeck a much smaller sample size but a 310 ISO and that's the guy hitting in the nine hole and then you have Bogarts and, and Christian Vasquez and all these guys who are just perfectly competent against righty uh, against lefty pitching rather i think the spot to me is just it's risky for hill and again i don't really know that i have the confidence that boston's going to have those big results again but i think you take stabs on the boston stack they're going to be mostly unknown it looks like uh three percent overall ownership for the sack compared to 6.5 percent chance of being a top stack so it's a low total here and uh maybe i'm just not seeing enough with hill to get there but the field's gonna be playing them 12 if that number is even a little bit higher you can get leverage against them or just not play hill so i think this spot's actually kind of important uh for a slate that's not that big here for the main slate 
How about uh, Jays and Marlins? Two of my favorite pitchers so far this season going head-to-head. I love me some Robbie Ray. I mean, I'm, I'm above the field on him every single game, it seems like, riding that roller coaster. And then uh, Trevor Rogers has just been terrific for the Marlins. It's in Miami. Uh, not exactly a great place for a lot of runs. You have one of the lower over-unders on the day at 7.5. How do you like the pitching in this particular matchup? It looks like everybody's going to like the pitching here today based mm. on the ownership. Robbie Ray project for 58% ownership on DK. Trevor yeah, on to him. Yeah, he, Robbie Ray is really, he came a long way from, I think earlier in the year, we yeah. had some shows that I know our, our pal Greg Ehrenberg was uh, talking about how, you know, not buying into Robbie Ray and some of the changes and how, you know, like initially it was an ugly start where he was trying to get his walk rate down and in that process had killed his own strikeout rate. Now the strikeout rate's up. He's actually better than where he's been since 2019, a 31.5% K rate. Comes with a home run risk, a 5.5% home run rate, but that's kind of always been who he's uh, who he is as a pitcher uh, since 2019, a 236 ISO allowed uh, two right-handed bats. So you see him give up power, but the main thing is that Miami doesn't really have that power to make him pay in a meaningful way. And a day where the roof is also going to be closed in Miami, everything is going to benefit him. And I think we saw it yesterday with Ross Stripling, where I was like baffled to see the projection we had him, but then thought about it a little bit more. And by the time we got to live before lock, I was like, this actually is legitimately a good play. If he's going to be under 5% owned, Robbie Ray's not going to be 5% owned, but he is going to be uh, one of the chalk plays. And I still think a chalk play that I would run away from i think you have to get less than the 58 percent ownership but he still has a 45 percent chance to be a top pitcher today so to me he's probably going to be in half your lineups and i just have no issue with it because there's really an unlikely pathway for him to fail today barring you know something crazy coming out from the marlins lineup and i don't know what it would be ray's been good and the marlins are bad and and ray's not even walking guys anymore so i just don't know what you point to in a a game where also the park factor is going to greatly benefit him as well then we get to a big name matchup in Texas, literally a big name matchup. James Caprellian and Mike Fultonevich going at uh, one another here. Caprellian, uh, assuming I'm saying that correctly, I haven't seen his starts yet, but I know he's been effective and he's been able to put up some strikeouts and really do a nice job since coming up from the minor leagues. This is a guy who was, I believe, in the Sunny Gray trade years ago and uh, has been on the radar and now is healthy at the moment uh, going up against the Texas Rangers offense. That, that isn't great. And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you make of this game? So caprellian has been sort of hard to pinpoint lately where I think there was a show last week where we had just talked about Caprellian coming with a lot of risk where he's getting the strikeouts. He's at a 27% strikeout rate so far this year and uh, basically been the same since last year when he had, I think one appearance or two to close out the year. Uh, but just been a guy who's been solid, but there are some worrisome stats here, giving up an 8% barrel ball rate this year, uh, which was 11% going back to last year, a 20 degree launch angle. But like he's going to have tough times against some teams, but it seems like his strikeout stuff has been there enough that he can get through matchups that uh, either adverse conditions matchups or ones like this one that actually should be a good one. 25.5% K rate on the year for Texas against right-hand pitching. So I don't hate going to Caprellian. I think uh, another guy that I would prefer to go to over Jose Urquidy, who we talked about earlier, who is going to be owned a good amount to me. I'd be happy to put that ownership towards Caprellian, but it's also a pitcher that, you know, there's going to be a day coming up where he gets completely bombed. And I think it's happened once this year, but like he's going to get hit hard. One of these spots, I just know that Texas is the one to do it. And, and a day two where the roof is closed. So Caprellian to me looks solid. And what's an average on the other side of guy. I don't think you should be playing. I, I mentioned, I am always willing to play value pitchers, but uh Fulton average just doesn't have it anymore. 16% K rate, 290 batting average allowed 16 degree launch angle, 10% barrel ball rate. All these marks are asking a team like Oakland to really just hit them hard. And um, that's something to me where Fulton Evans should be out of the player pool and uh, Caprellian, I think, can be firmly in it. And I'll, I'll make a note, and the Rangers, they threw a, a lot of their bullpen. I know Jordan Lyles did eat up uh, a lot of innings yesterday, but you had the opener. He didn't last very long. You have to go beyond that. You, you give up 13 runs, and 
you got to come back the next day. Uh, sometimes you don't have the full allotment there where Fulton Evich doesn't last long. Maybe you're getting to those position players. They were talking about Charlie Culberson uh, maybe being the guy that would pitch last night if it got more carried away on the YouTube broadcast. Uh, Dodgers-Padres wrap it up with this. Hey, th- these games have been great. They're always fun to see. I love it seeing the Dodgers-Padres go at it. They got uh, the, the whole night slate all to themselves with the late start. Trevor Bauer, Joe Musgrove, another good matchup. Uh, and this is a game that probably not looking at a ton of runs. These are the pitchers that you're potentially deciding if you want to pay up for. Yeah, I would agree that uh, it's probably not a game that you want to sack much of, though I do think you will see some one-off bombs here. And worth pointing out in San Diego, again, another humid-ish day, or at least humid relative to San Diego, 75% humidity, only 70-degree weather, but we have seen these balls fly a little bit more in similar conditions this week. So I'm just going to point that out, given that Trevor Barrow has historically struggled with those launch angles, a 19-degree launch angle for him, uh, 3.7% on run rate this year. So uh, one-off San Diego bats could be an interesting move to go here. If you really don't believe in Bauer and want to stack against them, I think you can do that uh, for a few stacks. I wouldn't go crazy on it because they only have a 3% chance to be a top stack, but uh, still a spot where I think there's a little bit risk. That said, you know, Bauer, 38% ownership. I get it. There isn't a lot of stud pitching on the main slate today that people are going to want to pay for. But I'd be comfortable getting less than that. You know, Bauer, we've talked about the spin rate stuff. He's certainly one of those guys who's most affected. And a guy, too, who's still 32% strikeout rate on the year. I just think that he's going to give up a few home runs, and that could be sometimes a difference between a good Bauer day and one that's passable and just in line with everybody else. I actually might be more inclined to take shots at Joe Musgrove, given... A little bit less on the price tag, a little bit less in the way of ownership as well. And that to me is something that can have value. You know, the Dodgers are not quite as good as they've been uh, throughout the course of the year, though. I think they are expected to get Cody Bellinger back today. And that's one thing that could make this look a bit uglier. Uh, but a 22% carry on the year gets right hand pitching. Not a great mark, but Musgrove is really good in terms of missing bats, a 14% swing strike rate, 37% chase rate. So he is keeping the ball in spots that are going to be a little bit tough for these guys to hit. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And a 32% carry rate overall. So uh, to me, I think Bauer and Musgrove are probably closer to 25% plays, maybe 30% for Musgrove just to try to differentiate from the field. But overall, you know, I think you're capping these guys. You're going to get them in some lineups. And I think taking some bats going against them wouldn't be the craziest thing to do. I'll be interested in Bauer's ownership uh, percentage tonight. If it's, if it follows what the projections are for him or if people are running and hiding because he is one of the billboard guys that have, you know, used the sticky stuff to have an advantage. I mean, he wears the t-shirts that tell you he's doing it. Uh, I guess Garrett Cole would be the best indication from last night. And uh, I, I didn't track it myself, but it, did he end up being yeah. over or under what maybe the projections would have expected Garrett Cole and the ownership projections last night? He was in range of where I think the projections had him. I don't know the exact number relative to all the tournaments out there, but I think we had him at 40%. He was around that mark. And we've seen the same thing with you, Darvish, too, where people, um, you know, sort of throughout the day, you hear a lot of the the media part, like us guys, like us doing these shows or guys and gals out there doing similar MLB DFS content, talking about like, oh, like, I don't know. The final field is going to be there. I don't, the field's not running away from these guys right now. And I think the field actually might see it as an edge to go to these guys even heavier because of the, the question marks. And I think that's something to keep in mind here where, to me, I'd be surprised to see Bauer be much further off than the 40% we have projected. I guess 38% is the actual mark we have right now. Um, but I think he's probably being that 35 to 40 range. And that's to me is why part of as well, why you're just capping it at 30% in case the field acts irrationally. Hmm. I don't want more than the field of Bauer. I think I just want to be comfortably with it or a little bit underneath it. You could cap it. Or if you're uh, using the fantasy cruncher, give it a little thumbs down for some guys that maybe have yep. some concerns on and, you know, Trevor Bauer would be, one of those that's got blinking, flashing red lights uh, attached to him at the moment with everything that's going on. It probably will have to take off his hat, his mitt a few times, and we'll see how uh, gentlemanly there, he is about Hate it. He got you, Darvish, thanking the umpires the other day, and then Max Scherzer wants to have everybody off. 
Yeah, look, hey, that's that's just who he is as a human being. I get, look, I would be inconvenienced too. Even even us doing the bit on the show, I'm like, I got to take my hat off. Like, God, I want my hair is a dish, <laughs> even more in shambles than it would be normally. But I, look, I get it. I'm, I'm with the pitchers here. I hope things work out for them. And and honestly, it's such bad timing too. Like to be doing all this stuff as it starts mm-hmm. heating up. Like they're just begging these guys. They they want a summer of Sosa and McGuire one more time. They're just gonna do it by any any means necessary. Well, you just can't do it in the middle of the season and making up rules yeah. as you go. And there are always consequences that you don't realize. I mean, that's how all this started anyway. It's not just the sticky stuff. It's the balls. They were worried about the baseballs traveling too far in recent years. The balls were juiced. So they're like, we're going to add some drag to it. And when they did that, all of a sudden the breaking pitches are that much more effective. I, I think that's what you're looking at. Major League Baseball has screwed a lot of this up and now they're blaming the pitchers. Were you team Tyler Glass now with this thing? Because we talked about it briefly last week, and I think Greg was more like, oh, like a classic curmudgeon Greg about uh, not wanting to be on the support of that guy. But I do feel like I'm with it. Like if this is something you're turning a blind eye and all of a sudden it's like, cool, now we're going to really watch it after turning a blind eye for literal years. Like Glass now I think has a really viable case. And he's one guy who like his career could be completely deeply impacted by Mm. this. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think them doing it in the first place is fair, but that's what baseball is. It's like all this, this bullshit that's like unwritten rules and that, oh, we're, I'm not going to call out the other opposing pitcher or whatever. Now they're doing that. But I just feel like last time I had a great point and he kind of got buried by people being like, well, you're cheating. And it's like, I people just are like children. They're like toddlers in kindergarten when uh, <laughs> with anybody cheats at all. It's like, it's baseball. What get used to it. We need that's- moral outrage, more moral outrage in this world <laughs> yeah. about everything. That's, that's what works. But but yeah, no, I, I I was more like Greg initially with Glass. Now I'll roll my eyes, don't want to hear it. But then I heard some pitchers talking about it, and they're like, look, what he's saying makes sense. If you have to grip the ball that much harder and torque that much quicker to try to you know pitch at the level you've been accustomed to, well, what's going to happen? It, it all goes to your elbow. You know, If you grip something very hard, you feel it. You feel the extra tension down there. So uh, I'll buy into it, and you know, hopefully nothing more happens there. But uh, I'll say, look, as a Mets guy, the fact that, all this is happening. Jacob DeGrom is just like still trucking along is pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, and now you got Tyler McGill too, who's going to come in with the, the, the weight of a uh, Thor's hammer, I guess today and, and bring it mm. down everybody. But no, I, I agree. Like DeGrom, uh, there was a conversation we had the other day where I was talking about DeGrom stats relative to like guys that I hold in historical esteem and the Pedro Martinez MVP is one that jumped out. Mm. And I have to say, I did look those numbers up. They're not all there on fan graphs, but um, he did have a 1% home run rate, a 38% strikeout rate. And this is when peak guys juicing, yeah. doing the, the testosterone, doing all that stuff. So hard to top that year, but DeGrom, I feel like the closest I've seen, at least, you know, paying attention, both cash the last however many years of my life in addition to doing this professionally in the last uh, three and a half years and get a Grom stuff like right there with Pedro in a way that still not Pedro but who will ever will be I guess and, and it's a different level of dominance right because what Pedro did the numbers aren't the best of all time but in that era I mean it was insane yeah. but then DeGrom it's like the hitters don't even have a chance it, it's just yeah. strikeout 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 like I don't think anybody has dominated at the level that DeGrom has for the last few months because, you know, the strikeouts have just never been as prevalent in the game as they are right now. So uh, it's been fun watching history, and it does feel like I'm like, I got to watch all these starts because it could end at any moment. (laughs) Yeah, especially (laughs) knowing the Mets, too. (laughs) Knowing the Mets and knowing, uh, you know, what DeGrom, he's been in the MRI tube like 20 times in the last month. So you you figure something's wrong there. They just don't know what. So uh, whatever, that's for another slate as far as DeGrom goes. We appreciate you joining us today. Hopefully we helped you out a little bit. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, keep up with all of our shows here on the Awesome YouTube network. Uh, that's big for us and hopefully helps you out a little bit. And uh, we're trying to have some fun along the way. 
Uh, and there's still a lot to come here on the Osmo channel. We got Monkey Knife Fight MLB show for you at 1.30 Eastern. PGA live before lock coming up at 4. And then more baseball, the MLB deeper dive for tonight's slate at 5 o'clock Eastern. For Spags or producer Tyler, I'm Petey Mack. Happy stacking.